Good morning. Hopefully everybody, <clears throat> we're going to count today how much my voice cracks. They brought some water up here. There's a few people who are counting that today. So, um, I got to say, I am incredibly nervous to be up here. I've never done this before. I've been up here on stage a couple times, but I've never actually delivered a message before, so I'm incredibly nervous. Those of you, those of you who are smiling out there, it actually helps me be a little more calm. Um, but... But my goal and hope today, I've worked hard to really be prayerful over this message and over the text that we have today, and my goal and hope is that you guys will just uh, not be distracted by any, um, any lack of train of thought or anything like that that would come out of my mouth, but that your guys' hearts would be affected by God's truth um, that comes through my mouth, um, that his spirit would really be active in your hearts today. Uh, really working inside of you guys. So I just pray that you guys will open up your hearts to what he has for you today and the truth that's uh, going to be spoken. Um, so today's message is really a continuation. We're going through First Timothy as a church, but it's really kind of building off the last two weeks. So if you haven't heard those, go back and listen to those specifically. But it's really a charge from Paul to Timothy um, and it's in regards to the giftings that God has given him. Okay, so it's also very applicable to us because a lot that we have been talking about is uh, very applicable to our church and in our culture, uh, to what we were seeing in Ephesus. So I hope that you guys will put on the lenses of Timothy, the glasses of Timothy. So when Paul's talking to Timothy, I really want you guys to put yourself in the perspective of Timothy today. So Paul's not only talking to Timothy, he's talked to me over the last two or three months as I've been preparing this message, but today he's also talking to you guys. Okay, so open up your hearts to what Paul, uh, or what God is speaking through Paul to you guys today uh, as well. So I want to introduce myself real quick before we get going. A lot of you probably know me, some of you may not. Um, four quick things about me. I'm a... Uh, <laughs> I'm a husband. I'm married to Helene Palmer. She was up here a little bit ago introducing some stuff. She is my better half. She's an awesome person. She runs our family. Um, she is uh, a real blessing to me. Uh, we've been married for seven years. It's been an awesome seven years. There's obviously challenging things in marriage, but God has really been active in our marriage, helping us uh, work through a ton of different things. So I'm married to her seven years. Um, I'm a father. In those seven years, we've had three children, all under five years old. So if anybody knows what kind of household that is like, please, please be prayerful over us. It's a very busy household, um, but it's awesome. If you don't learn enough about yourself in marriage regarding pride and self, uh, selfishness, you will once you start having children. They're just little mirrors of you. Um, but it's been awesome to be a father. Uh, I was an elder here for four years. Um, I'm currently off rotation from doing that. They got tired of me and kicked, kicked me off. I don't know if I'll be asked to come back, but I was an elder, elder for four years. <laughs> they kicked Greg off too, so. Um, being an elder is an awesome thing. Matt spoke on eldership a couple weeks ago. If you are feeling called to be an elder, not everybody's called in that way by God, but if you're feeling led and called to be an elder, don't, don't push that aside. Lean into that. It is a scary thing at times. It's a daunting thing at times. You'll have a lot of opportunities to be placed out of your comfort zone. Um, but really lean into that. The church needs um, godly men to be elders. So, so if uh, you have questions over that, um, whatever, go find any of the elders, Matt, Greg, myself, whatever it may be, um, ask questions and lean into that. The last thing, some of you may know me from around town. I've been a police officer here in town for 13 years. 
it's been an awesome journey so far. Um, God's been able to or put me in a lot of situations that have been very uh, challenging, very sad, um, but also very joyful. Um, so he's, he's using me in that way, and it, it's an awesome thing. Um, so be prayerful over that, too. All right. If I have not got a chance to meet you guys, if there's anybody out there who I haven't got a chance to meet, please come find me after service or in the weeks to come. I want to get to know you. I want to introduce you, introduce you to my family. Um, we really want you to be a part of this church, uh, to be in community with all of us uh, like-minded believers. So introduce yourself and we'll get you plugged in. So we're going to be going through 1 Timothy today, continuing in 1 Timothy. Let me flip here. 1 Timothy 4, uh, 13 through 16. And for those of you who are new this week or maybe you just haven't been paying attention, 1 Timothy is a, a combination of letters that was written by Paul to Timothy. Um, and at the heart of these letters is a charge to really keep the gospel the gospel, okay? To keep the good news of the salvation uh, of Christ or through the powerful grace of God at the center of the churches in Ephesus. So over the course of 1 Timothy, we've seen a really wide range of ways that Paul's encouraging and instructing and empowering Timothy. And like I said, today's teaching is really on Timothy's giftings and uh, how he's supposed to be using those to glorify God and strengthen uh, the churches in Ephesus. So that's where we'll be at today. Like I said, today's teaching points uh, specifically to his giftings, and it's very applicable to all of us. So just put on those glasses of Timothy for a few minutes for me as we kind of work through this. So we're going to read 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 16, and then we're just going to break down each verse. I don't have bullet points. Um, the way I like to read Scripture is just really diving, in, diving into each word in Scripture, each verse. So we're just going to kind of dissect all four verses and pick out some key points. So 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 16 says, Until I come, Timothy, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Timothy, be committed to them so that your progress may be made evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So first, Timoth or first uh, Paul says to Timothy, until I come, give your attention to public reading, give your attention to exhortation, give your attention to teaching. So first he says, until I come. Okay, we also saw this in chapter 3. Paul said this in chapter 3. So we know that Paul's heart was to be with Timothy, to be in community with him, teaching and, and preaching in the churches of Ephesus, but he couldn't do this right away. So he sent this letter to Timothy, simply encouraging him not to be idle. He's saying, Paul, don't sit on the gifts that God has given you, doing nothing with those. Uh, Paul knew that God must be honored in the church, so he sent this letter saying, until I come, Timothy, give your attention to these things. Um, Paul had uh, already given warning to Timothy about the wolves in past uh, chapters or past verses. Paul's given warning to Timothy about the wolves that were in Ephesus, the false teachers that were really working to bring glory to their name, uh, instead of God's, he's warned them about the key leaders who were once trusted and once respected, but he says they've now gone shipwrecked, their faith has led them astray, and they're working to bring others down with them. And we see many of these same things in our church and in our culture today. So when I put on the lenses of Timothy over the last couple months, um, when I do that and when I listen to Paul's charge, all of the insecurities start coming up, and I have to ask, or I often reverted to the question, am I ready for that? Am I ready for the charge that Paul is giving Timothy? Am I ready to take on that lead? When Matt asked me to stand up here on stage in front of you all 
he, he did it through email, and the first thing I wanted to do is delete the email <laughs> and figure out how, how do I get rid of this without him knowing I ever saw the email? How do I just skip past? And he gave me a whole list of different times, range, probably over the last three months, and I picked the very last one I could. <laughs> but I, when he sent me this email, I was kind of, uh, well, I asked myself, am I ready for that? Am I ready for this charge? But then I had to reflect on the gospel, uh, reflect on God's goodness and grace in my, in my life and say, who am I to decide when I'm ready? Or who am I to decide how God is going to use me? Okay, aren't we all being called in Matthew to go and make disciples? And that can be done in a lot of different ways, but we're all being called to do that. And we're being called to go and teach the gospel. To teach those that, or to teach that, that all those who believe through faith are now considered saints in God's family. You see, I believe we're all being called just like Timothy to commit ourselves uh, to raising up God's household in a way that brings him glory. It matters how our church worships God. It matters how our, our families uh, do life together. And our church is a place designed by God to bring glory to his name and to magnify his name. So we must be willing and diligent to take on the charge that Paul is giving Timothy today. Uh, we need to be having conversations. Oftentimes that's hard conversations with our family and friend. We need to be speaking life into the gospel and bringing it up. Okay, not talking about the gospel uh, waters down the gospel. Okay, so we need to be uh, very diligent um, in uh, speaking and teaching truth. So Timothy's first charge today, along with ours, is to be very active and diligent in speech and in teaching. Paul goes on in verse 14. He says, Don't neglect the gift that's in you. It was given to you through prophecy by the laying on of hands or with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. So he first says, don't neglect. Now Paul used these two words, these two specific words for a reason, and Paul understood the gift that God had given Timothy, and we can assume that was somewhere in the wheelhouse of teaching, preaching, ministering, uh, somewhere like that. Now Paul knew the dangers within the church that were affecting the overall body of Christ, and he knew Timothy must fight against these things. So he says, Timothy, don't neglect. Okay, when I read these two words and I pray over these, I'm, I'm kind of given this vision of grabbing one of my children by the cheeks. I've got to be careful how I say this because he's actually in here. It's probably my middle boy. Um, but grabbing him by the cheeks and saying, son, don't neglect. Don't neglect the truth. Don't neglect what I've told you. Okay, I have to oftentimes fight against doing this um, because he's so bullheaded. He probably takes after me, but... Um, I think this gives a good picture of the way that Paul is trying to instruct Timothy. He's saying, uh, Timothy, you must not neglect. Um, he's saying, don't stray from, don't push aside, don't lay, don't lay idle the gifts that's inside of you. He says, believers and unbelievers alike need this gift. They need to hear and be reminded of the truth that will be spoken through God's gift in you. Okay, you see, if God gives you a gift which he does, don't neglect it. Okay, I'm not saying I hold a gift for teaching. This is the first time I've been up here doing this. You guys are kind of the guinea pigs, and I'll let you guys decide. But I didn't want to push aside an opportunity to allow God's voice to be heard. Okay, I sat as an elder for four years. A couple of those years I felt led to stand up here, but I really pushed that aside. Okay, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit worked inside of me, and this time I'm like, okay, I give in. I'll, I'll stand up here and, and do this. But the gifts that God has given you are to be used to help us mature and grow and to help our hearts fall more in line with our fathers while blessing the body of believers around us. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, it kind of gives a good instruction for our giftings and how they're to be used for the church body. 
Okay, and I'm just going to summarize verses 12 through 31. So if you're taking notes, write down 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, so you can go back and kind of reflect on this. But in these, these verses, we see this back and forth between the characteristics of our bodies and the importance of our role in the body of Christ. And Paul spends a lot of time here saying that uh, one part does not work well without the other. Okay, one does not work well without the other, and that's true. And in verse 18, he says, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. Okay, just as he wanted. Verse 27, he says, now you are all the body of Christ and individual members of it. So Paul's saying that through God's righteousness and grace, all believers are placed into this beautiful body of Christ. And as his elect, we're all uniquely made, being granted gifts and functions that are to be carried out differently. God is choosing to use us all for the building up of his church. And Paul also encourages this same thing in Ephesians when he says, I, a prisoner of the Lord, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have, re that you have received. Okay, this is a guy who's referring to himself as a prisoner of the Lord, which is an awesome thing. But this is a guy, Paul, who understood his place as a child of God. And with a smile on his face, he would have looked at Timothy and he would have said, Timothy, I am a prisoner of God and so are you, so let's go boldly and build up the body of believers around us. He would have said, Timothy, don't neglect. In chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, verse 18, Paul talks to Timothy about fighting the good fight. And Matt covered this uh, in one of his messages, and he kind of gave definition to fight the good fight as to show and share the truth of Jesus in love. Okay, to show and share the truth of Jesus in love. So I want to ask, what gift do you have that Paul might grab your cheeks and say, son or daughter, don't neglect? What do you have that you're not using to show and share the truth of Jesus in love? Okay, many of us are spouses. Many of us are husbands or wives. So I'll ask the question, what do you need to do to better use your gifting to show and share the truth of Jesus to your spouse? Author Gary Thomas um, writes a lot about marriage. He outlines in some of his writings that we're not just working to create a lifelong marriage, but we're working to create a lifelong love in that marriage. So men, I'll ask you, or let me say this first, regardless of the gifts that you may or may not think you possess, okay, as believers, we all possess the gift of God's sacrificial love, right? So men, what are you doing in your marriage to show and share God's gift of sacrificial love to your wife? And women, what are you doing to support your husbands with that sacrificial love? Many of us are in connection groups, so how do you need to better use your giftings to show and share the truth of Jesus in your connection group? Maybe for some of you, it's just joining a connection group. Now, I didn't know Matt was speaking on connection groups today, but this is a perfect opportunity. When you leave here, don't leave without signing up for one. That may be the first step that you need to take. Okay, but I, I'm blessed with a very large connection group. I help co-lead a connection group, um, and we have a lot of members, and it's awesome when they all attend. Everybody holds a val very valuable place in our group, but there's one person in particular that my wife and I refer to as an old dog, and that's not a negative thing, okay? It's Jacob Bless, and we refer to him as that because he is so faithful to come to group. He's there each and every week, willing to open up his heart, willing to spur on conversation, willing to ask questions, willing to be vulnerable, there's a lot of times he's asking questions. I have to look at my wife, and without saying anything, I'm like, you know what, i got to tap out. I have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> okay, but he comes every week really working to show and share the truth of Jesus in love in our group. Okay, so what are you guys doing in your groups to do that? 
Many of you are sons and daughters. What are you doing in your families to show and share the truth of Jesus to your parents, to your brothers and your sisters? Okay, are we speaking of God's glorious gospel to those around us? Are our actions showing his love to those around us? Okay, go home and think about this. What are you doing to fight the good fight? What are you doing to not neglect? Paul continues in verse 15 of 1 Timothy. He says, practice these things, be committed to them, so your progress might be made evident to all. So Paul's continuing his encouragement for the gifts that God gave to Timothy, and he says, practice these things, be committed to them. So the gift of teaching and the charge that we saw last week in verse 12 of setting an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity, Paul's saying, you must give your all to these things, Timothy. Those are all very big things, and he knew those must be key in the churches. So he's saying, Paul, you've got, or Timothy, you've got to give your all to these things. Now, we've all done things and practiced things that we don't enjoy. Okay, I've practiced hanging drywall. I finished a basement in our old house. I don't enjoy it. I'll never do it again. I'll always pay somebody to hang the drywall and finish it. Okay, uh, I've practiced playing soccer or uh, basketball. I'm not good at it. People have invited me to play basketball. I'll go play, but I'm not good at it. They don't make a hoop big enough for me, I don't think. Um, I don't even understand it. Same with soccer. Is anybody here good with soccer? Good. I'm glad, I'm glad God gave some people that gift. I don't understand soccer. I don't understand the point of chasing a ball back and forth down the field. Sounds exhausting. I'm good at chasing kids and crooks. That's what I'm good at. Not soccer balls, okay? Uh, but we can all practice things, but if it doesn't involve our heart, if it doesn't involve, devo- or if it doesn't involve commitment and devotion, then it does not involve our heart. Okay, and Paul's saying, Timothy, the gifts that God has given you, practice them, be committed to them, and as a son of God, use them to glorify his name. Okay, verse 15 also says, so your progress might be made evident to all. Okay, why, why would Paul say this? I think he's saying this to help motivate and drive Timothy to never, uh, to never stop devoting himself to what we saw in verse 12. Okay, when others see the work of God inside you, when they see the free gift of his salvation, they cannot help be brought to a place of awe for God. Okay, if you have a friend who you once knew as an unbeliever, and you were able to see that conversion and to see them be adopted into the family of Christ, you cannot help but be brought to a place of awe for God's majesty and, and grace over their life. And I think Paul's using, or excuse me, uh, wrong spot. Paul's saying, Timothy, as a son of God, practice the giftings inside of you so that others might see the glory of God inside of you. Uh, We actually saw this played out beautifully in Paul's life, so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Paul. Uh, We remember Paul, who we saw in Scripture, had the authority to imprison anybody who even called on God's name. Okay, and you just mentioned the name of God, and Paul had the authority to put you in prison. Okay, he was a very, very feared man. But something I want you guys to understand was Paul was a sinner. But once God got a hold of his heart, his actions and commitments were a true testament to God's gospel. In Acts 9, we see Ananias who's being called to go and talk to Paul, and Ananias is freaked out by this. Okay, he says, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he had the authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, Ananias, go, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
Now, I kind of have to laugh about this a little bit because you have Paul, who's being called out by the king of kings. So I'm thinking, poor Paul, you are, you're in for it here. Um, but I also have to reflect on God's redemptive plan and reflect on the goodness and grace that was being showered over Paul. Okay, he didn't know it, but, but God's goodness and grace was being showered over him. His heart was so hard against God, God, and he was working to push others away from Christ. But still, as a sinner, Paul had been chosen by God to be an instrument for his glory. Okay, and Paul's been encouraging Timothy to practice the giftings that God had given him. And I want to just speak real quickly about one of the ways that Paul, or an example of how Paul used those giftings that God had given him. Um, so flip over, uh, if you have your, your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 16 for just a second, verses 16 through 34. And again, I'll summarize this, um, so jot it down. You guys can go back and uh, read over this later. But in this text, 16, Acts 16, verse 16 through 34, we see Paul and Silas who were working for a spot to pray, or they were looking for a spot to pray to further their ministry. And as they were doing this, in comes this uh, slave girl, and it says she was filled with a demon, okay? And she was actively working against Paul and Silas's ministry, and this, it says this annoyed Paul, and so it says, through Christ, Paul cast out this demon. Now, this had very negative effects, um, and a lot of the, town, or the uh, town authorities were very upset by this. So in verses 23 and 24, it goes on to show that Paul and Silas were flogged, they were beaten, they were broken, uh, they were thrown in jail, and they were placed deep in the inner prison, and they were shackled. Okay, the authorities did not want the good news of Christ getting out on the street. They didn't want it spreading through the streets, so they threw them in prison, uh, as deep as they could and gave one lucky jailer the charge to guard them carefully. Now, what's funny, though, is God wasn't trying to reach the people on the streets anymore. He wasn't, he wasn't active over them right now. Okay, he had changed his objective, and he was still using Paul and Silas to do this. He was calling Paul and Silas, even though they were broken and beaten, to be faithful. Okay, his objective had changed to the inner parts of the jail, and he was calling Paul and Silas to deny themselves and to suffer for his name so that his good story might be heard deep in the inner cells, so that the goodness of the gospel might be made evident to all. Verses 25 through 34 of Acts 16 really speaks to what Paul and Silas were doing in uh, the jail as they were uh, shackled. And what does it say they did? It says they sang hymns and they prayed. Okay, think about this. You have two guys who are broken, beaten, and bloody, yet what were they doing while they're prison and in shackles, they were singing. Okay, Paul, uh, chained up, singing, uh, knew that as a child of God, he had access to stand in the grace and the goodness of his father, regardless of where he was at, and because of that, he chose to sing. And we know that he didn't do this quietly because it says other people heard him and they joined in and they sang with him. Okay, these two are committed to furthering the kingdom of God. And next in our text, we see an earthquake that came, the doors were open, the chains were all loosened. Okay, and this is really where I know Paul and Silas were committed to the call that God had for them. This is like the cherry on top. When I go to Big K's over here and I get my peanut butter malt, I want that cherry on top, right? This is like the cherry on top. Um, everything was, the building was in rubbish. They, they were free to leave, but yet what did they do? They stuck around. Okay, they were just in prison, they were broken and beaten, but now they chose to stuck around, stick around. Okay, if I open up all the jail doors on the, the jail over here, 
you better believe there's nobody sticking around. They are all gone. Okay, but Paul and Silas were committed to a different calling. Okay, they were choosing to be committed to a God who was much bigger than their circumstances, and they were choosing to not neglect the gift that God had given them. Now, quickly, I don't want to fail to mention God's target in this. Okay, it was the jailer and his family, the jailer who was given the charge to guard them carefully. Now, we see that this jailer in this text, we see this jailer was about to kill himself over the significance of the order that he was given, which was to guard them carefully, guard Paul and Silas. And he failed to do this. So it says the guard drew his sword and he was preparing to kill himself over failing. Now, we all know the feeling of failure. It's a horrible feeling. Okay, and this man was so deep in this feeling that he was willing to take his own life with his sword. But just as he's about ready to do that, Paul yells, stop, don't harm yourself. I'm still here. Okay, and at this point, the jailer rushed in and fell down to his knees. And in this, I can feel I can do nothing but reflect on God's relationship here with us. Okay, we're sons and daughters of a God who walks in our footsteps as we try and do things on our own, yet we fail and we fail and we fail. Okay, but much like Paul, God's there and he yells, stop, I'm still here. You're fighting a fight I've already won. Okay, and this would have been what the jailer was feeling when Paul and Silas were still standing there in the rubbish. When the building was down, Paul and Silas were there. But this jailer felt God's grace and God's mercy because Paul and Silas were faithful to the calling that God was giving them. Paul right now is saying, don't neglect. 1 Timothy uh, 16, Paul continues. And as we look at this final verse, when we read it, I want you to picture Paul maybe sitting next to you, maybe even grabbing your cheeks if you need him to. He says, pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So first, Paul says, pay close attention to your life and your teaching, Timothy. And I think Paul's trying to say that your lifestyle, your actions, your words, Timothy, keep them in line with God's will. Okay, devote your heart to God. Keep your beliefs and your speech Keep your teaching grounded in the gospel so others will not be led astray. Others will not be shipwrecked like they had seen in past, like we see today at times. So Paul knew the selfishness that was out there in their culture, in those churches. Uh, he remembered where he was prior to God's grace. So he's telling, th he's, uh, and he knew that Timothy was subject to these same things, okay, these same temptations, these same sinfulness. So he's choosing to remind Timothy that you may walk through valleys, Timothy, you may walk through trials. Timothy, you will be tempted. In Christ, Timothy, you will be persecuted. But he says, there's a God much bigger than those things, so keep your sights on him, paying close attention to him. Paul also encourages Timothy to persevere. Okay, and what's he uh, being encouraged to persevere in? I believe it's his faith. Okay, he's encouraging Timothy to obey the call and to walk by faith, to live out his faith, so others will do the same. Okay, we're all being charged in that same way, and my prayer is that as we, work, as we work to follow Christ in our life, that our hearts will be drawn near to him, and, and the love that he has for us will be felt so strongly by all of us. Paul warned Timothy about the wolves and the false teachers. Uh, he warned him about the warfare that he would encounter, and now he's telling Timothy that you must put every amount of effort into persevering in your faith, holding fast to the truth, 
committing yourself to leading others. He's telling Timothy to use your giftings for the glory of God, not so he will love you, okay, not so he will love you, but because he loves you so dearly. Because I worked on an ending for this message, uh, really putting thought to paper. I was constantly typing different things, different actions that we should be doing to really follow Paul's charge, okay? But God's goodness is not based on our actions, okay? God's goodness is not based on our actions. So as I prayed over this, I was challenged by something I said in the beginning of the message, and it was that Paul was a sinner, yet he was set apart. Okay, Timothy was a sinner, yet he was set apart. Okay, I was a sinner, but because of the grace and the goodness and the righteousness of my father, I am now called his elect. I am a saint in the eyes of God, and this alone should drive a joy in me that can be felt by those around me. Okay, so I'm just going to end by by saying, if you're a believer, okay, if you believe through faith that the redemptive work of God was carried out on the cross, as he sent his son to be killed, then you're a son or a daughter of a king who wants you to share his love with others. Okay, he wants you to speak of his goodness, to use your giftings that you've been given to glorify him. He wants you to commit to walking through the trials in life with him. Also, those around you might be uh, might be brought into this glorious family of Christ. Okay, Paul is telling us today to not neglect, and that looks different for each and every one of us. Okay, but we must, as we leave here today, we must put on the glasses of Timothy and evaluate our lives. Where are we neglecting? Okay, I really like what, what, uh, um, what I said earlier. He's telling Timothy to use your giftings for the glory of God, not so he will love you but because he loves you so dearly. Now, as the band comes, uh, I want to end with some words from Peter. And I want you all to bow your heads as we read 1 Peter 4, 7. And I want you to open up your hearts. And when I finish reading this, I'll pray. Um, and the band's going to sing uh, another worship song. And I want you guys to worship just as you feel led. Okay, whether that's sitting there, singing, whatever it may be. But worship as you feel led. 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain a constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as each one has received a gift. Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for loving us for who we are, God. I thank you for loving us for where we are. God, I thank you for giving us a heart that longs to be with you, that longs to be in community with you, that longs to uh, just pursue your attributes, God. God, I thank you for breathing life into your church, breathing life into Stonebridge Church, filling it full of people today that just want to know you more, God. God, I'm sorry for the ways that we walk through our life neglecting to speak of your gospel to others, where we're neglecting to, uh, to uh, just share your love with others. God, where the awkwardness at times of speaking about you, God, where that's controlling our ability to, to share your goodness, God. 
Give us boldness as we go out this week. God, I pray that your spirit will just uh, speak to all of us on what those giftings are that you've given us, God, and that we will take that step and be bold in those ways. God, if there's anybody here today who does not know you, God, they're toying with the idea of being a child of you. They don't know what that means. They don't know what it means to be a saint. They don't know what it means to be called your elect, God. I pray that the warmth that you have for them, the love that you have for them, the sacrificial love that you have for them will be felt so strongly by them that they can do nothing today but open up their arms and say, God, I'm here. I'm ready to surrender. I'm all in. God, I want to be your child. And it's that easy. God, I thank you for your free gift of grace. Lastly, God, I just thank you for your word today, the truth that we find in scripture, the truth that you've spoken to us today. God, I pray that your spirit will be active in our hearts, stirring in our hearts. It's in your name we pray, God. Amen.